Ready, set, go! This is the Checkpoint Radio Podcast. Tune into our weekly radio show. For more information, go to CheckpointRadio.com. Here are your hosts, Nate Bender, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan. Checkpoint Reach. You're listening to Checkpoint Esports and Gaming Radio. If you're wondering why it's sounding a little bit asmr we're at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport right now, and uh, we're having to record this podcast on the go. That's right. We're doing the uh, the airport podcast. Chances are you've already listened to uh, Nate and Joe, knowing him, he probably put himself Of course first. he put himself yeah, first. Yeah, of course he did. So we're not going to bother explaining. Yeah, whatever. All right, point is, we just got done with the UCI eSports experience, and uh, now we're going to do a little bit of uh, reflection on it, if you will. Yeah, and here's the thing about... Seeing anything at the collegiate level, right? There's a certain level of chaos about it that you should expect, right? But the thing that was so amazing about it was seeing just how well everything worked uh, in terms of how organized the entire esports arena is. You know, the the price point that they have for the public to come in and use it, all the things that they had in place for essentially you know this brand new space something that they had never tried before uh was incredibly incredibly well organized and that was surprising to see at a college level you know what i think this really drove home for me is obviously we've had tons of stories you know we've talked to people we've seen it the fact that the current generation whether it's the collegiate level the high school level or or even the fact that esports is blowing up like it's obviously to a whole different level, right? We talk about how, oh, they never had anything like this when we were in school, which is true, but actually seeing it, not just in person, but but watching the flow, watching people come in, seeing the numbers, having them actually talk about it, like it was it was a different sort of... It's like, it's like it finally really set in that kids today, when they go to places like this, they really are living in an entirely different world than what we were when we were going to school. I mean... Yeah, they are, but in the same sense, you know, we still had internet cafes, we had LAN parties and stuff like that. It just was nothing had the backing of the university well, itself I, or the resources even, that the university right, itself right. Had. But but I think that all comes from the fact that culturally, gaming is at a different place than yeah, what it okay, was that's fair. back that's fair. then. That's and fair. I think this, more than anything else, has really sort of set that in. For I mean, me. but for me, there's still. There's still the one thing, and, and there was a, a conference, uh, you know, as as we're leaving. Yeah, we, uh, we actually didn't get to stay for all of it. Yeah. Uh, Rick decided to send us home uh, the day that there was going to be an Overwatch show. So he sends the two Overwatch guys home. I'm, I'm calling this leadership in question on yeah. that call. But the point is, is that, you know, I, I was able to attend a couple of talks, and, and one of the talks was about include, you know, inclusivity and gaming in esports in mm-hmm. particular. I think the thing that I'm, I'm still consistently noticing, whether there's still uh, a drive to in, include uh, people of all genders and include people, uh, you know, include families, include uh, people of, of all races, but there's still a very noticeable. Uh, skew and and and, and oh, of course it's getting far, but we still have even further yeah, to go. But not just that; there's still a noticeable skew among like racial lines, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that we 
as a as an industry and as a community still need to really really try to focus on because we know that you know Chinese kids Korean kids that's that, that's not stigmatized to them like that it's stigmatized to a certain degree but as we were there, I mean... It doesn't make it any less true. It, it doesn't make it I mean, any less it, true. And but. to be fair, you know, Korea and the surrounding areas over there have been doing this for about 10 years longer, longer than, than everybody, Longer than the rest of the world. Yeah. So, you know, when you see that and then you see, you know, just the sheer cost of some of the machines, I mean, we've talked at length about, you know, certain communities being priced out of gaming. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like certain communities now are, are, and that's continuing, are now being priced out of esports. Because they never had the opportunity to be able to join in when the getting was good. You know, when you can have a sort of a mid-level PC, maybe be really good mm-hmm. with a mid-level PC, maybe get a scholarship, get a sponsorship, you know, something like that. Get a, get a really powerful rig and become even better. I, I, those avenues for a lot of, you know, black kids and Latino kids or other low-income kids of, of any demographic um i I just i I want to see more of that i want to see more efforts to sort of bring esports to those communities that may be underserved and i think the college space in particular is uniquely positioned to be able to provide something something like that well and especially considering you know one of the things uh uh, that i think provide some optimism in that direction uh that really surprised me this weekend was everyone that we talked to talked about how when you get when you when you go at this from like an administrative level when you get faculty involved when it's not just the kids trying to carry these endeavors on their backs right you can accomplish so much more right, right. and and you know talking about those areas you're, you you're right like i mean it it took me uh uh until how i was in my adulthood uh to get a good rig and that was even on the backs of people donating and stuff so right. you know, being in areas like that how could you even hope to be able to get, like you said, even a mid-tier rig or something like that? But when you look at establishments like the UCI Esports Arena, and when you keep in mind that people in the higher places, the faculty, the administration, are finally starting to see the worth in doing something like this, it's unfortunately probably still going to be a while, but I think those are the sort of institutions that we have to push to start reaching out to some of these other areas and putting down roots because the amount of talent that you could then bring out of those areas is going to be limitless. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same argument. It's like the soccer argument that we have in the United States, right? There's a the soccer talking heads all say, hey, listen, we suck at soccer because the poor kids in America don't play soccer. And that's where a lot of your athletic excellence comes from. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's that's true or not. I'm saying, you know, it's a theory. And when it comes to theory, you know, what's the harm in testing it? What's the harm in, in seeing well, if that well, is true? You're always mentioning how, you know, the FGC community basically grew out of arcades and stuff like that, yeah. right? And because of the disappearance of arcades, that's left a noticeable gap. And obviously, they've all flocked to the like, you know, again, to consoles because they're cheap. Councils, land parties, and Joe proposed this interesting theory that now, with the way that internet cafes are starting to pop up and are starting to work out, those could sort of be the new age uh, arcades. Well, I agree, and I think that's exactly what they should be because if you have an uh, internet cafe that's accessible, that you know doesn't cost too much for people to use, then there's no telling the talent that you could be fostering locally. And when it comes to 
you know, exposing these kids and exposing different communities to what uh, institution like UCI, for instance, will have to offer, there's going to be a, a massive, large, large contingency of kids that will never have a chance or never even think about something like that because they've never been exposed to it in the first place. So I think it really behooves programs like UCI's esports uh, program to get into their get into the communities and really start talking about the the you know esports as an opportunity for kids to further their education because how I mean we had a couple kids that we interviewed uh, that had no intentions on being pros That's they had right. no intention of playing at a professional level but they used esports as a vessel to further their education well in, in the Overwatch player that we talked to Brandon specifically you know was going to school for computer science he had no no interest or no idea that gaming could be used in the way that now he's using it to further his education, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I just think if we're going to have a community, if we're going to have a, a if this is going to be a holistic experience, right, esports, if this is going to be like what traditional sports is, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get into schools at a very early age. There's kids that are yes. playing Pop Warner football at 9, 10, 11 years old, and you have to be, if you're, if you're going to build the programs in the same way, then you have to start around the same age. Exactly, and this is, I think, where the challenge comes in. You know, UCI is a, is a gorgeous, gorgeous school, right? Top of the list. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about on the show this week, uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Another Big Ten that's getting into it. The problem is, you know, when we talk about some of these areas that don't have the same opportunities, a lot of these kids aren't going to be able to go to colleges like that. Now we right. have, what we have to start talking about or start hoping for is that we get programs like what we're seeing at UCI or what we're probably going to see at Ohio State down onto like the community college level or, as you said, the earliest we can go getting them now into the high schools yeah and you know when we were at the esports arena you had uh high school kids that would come after school is out and they pay and they play just like everybody else they don't have free access uh like uh some of the esports team or some of the students there do but to even be able to be a high school student and have a place that you could go and play league of legends for like four bucks an hour on you know, a top-of-the-line machine where you're not going to have the same issues of latency, of, you know, uh, uh, mouse issues, video car issues, graphic, you know, graphics car mm-hmm. issues. And you're not going to have those types of issues. You're going to be able to just go in and play. I mean, that's empowering, and it's empowering to know that, hey, I could be sitting here playing League of Legends next to a kid that has a scholarship to play League of Legends. That is something that is going to be truly beneficial to a kid somewhere down the line and I really really think that the longer that we keep you know esports is is sort of like this gatekeeper type of industry Um, and and that's not done on purpose but a lot most of it is economic I think for the longer that it is that way um, the more and more it will become uh, skewed and separate and stratified and I don't want to see the FGC just the eSport where all the black kids go and the Latino kids Mm -hmm. go. I don't want to see League of Legends as the eSport where all the Asian kids are. Like, I don't want to see that. I want to see this this mishmashing of cultures and ideas and all this type of stuff because that's what's going to change these games. You know, people are going to have different viewpoints on meta, different viewpoints on strategy, and that's only going to come 
with diversity in you know in the teams and in the leadership of these teams as well. And it is coming. I I, I do truly believe that uh, it will be a little bit more slow move, moving. But when you have organizations like NACEF or you know when you have uh, organizations like Playverse, uh, yep. uh, who we talked to uh, this I, this week, or maybe it's next week. I don't know. But 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 the point is, there are now people in the industry who are aiming their sights solely on the high school level, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may only be five states here or a hundred schools here, but as that starts to span out, you know, as the years go on and kids grow up and and esports and gaming is just what they've always known, we will eventually, you know, grow into a golden age of esports. And, you know, there was a... There was an interview that Nate and Joe did out at the Esports Business Summit, and, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the gentleman that they talked to. But uh, you know, he was talking about how you know the different benefits of bringing games to kids in hospitals, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about all of these different angles that I personally had never thought of. And you know, of course, you know, we talk about the type of of effect that esports will have on kids that are very apparent, you know. But you know, when you think back to school. The, you know the different cliques that there used to be yeah. jocks and, and nerds and blah 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 and yeah. stuff like that gaming is something that could also on like a social level help to smooth those out help to reduce those cliques bringing people together under a common love which of course is gaming and again you know we talk about the inclusivity that games can bring to kids and I just we need to get games in kids' hands as early as we possibly can. Not even just high school, middle school. As no, and far I as mean they can. they already are. It's just a it's just a, a a question of how the energy is directed because kids are playing games as soon as they're able to you know read and and even in some that's, cases before true, they yeah. can read. But what what more so what I'm saying is. The concept of of organized games of team, the community aspect, yeah, community yeah, aspect. It's one thing of, to go home and just play games, yeah, but I'm talking about like team cohesion, mm-hmm. communication, leadership skills, the things that actually help kids grow into what we would consider functioning, you know, well-meaning adults. But when I saw, you know, what was going on at UCI, and I was so proud of how, you know. Their organizations like TAG, right, was uh, able to sort of foster the passion and the excitement, even, you know, across, you know, across all games. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful because it was student run, because it doesn't really have a lot of support from the faculty until a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the type of stuff that if those kids didn't have exposures you know exposure to gaming at young you know at a very young age if they didn't have parents who were open-minded if they didn't have like think about all the things that have to function right before a kid even comes onto campus for it has a, to fall into place yeah that has mm-hmm. to fall into place before organization like tag can even work you know what i mean and i think that that's we have to make that process easier. There should be a tag in on every college oh, campus. Oh, I 100% agree. And, and I know that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, tag's able to operate, you know, even without involvement from the faculty. But part of making sure that that process is easier... It is help from the faculty. Is, yes, by definitely having the faculty. And, you know, again... I, I do think it's it's coming. I, and not only is it coming, there's no stopping it. This, this isn't a question of if. It's, it's definitely win, a yeah. question of when. It's when. And, you know, as, as we're growing up and, you know, people younger than us are also growing up and coming into these, these you know, uh, 
academic situations, you know, you know, becoming educators or even into the professional settings, and we're slowly kicking out all the old white guys. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's going to become easier and easier, and you know, someday people are going to listen to stuff like this, and and it's going to seem so foreign. Like there was a time when when video games weren't used as as tools, as tools, yeah, yeah, to to better us, to better society. I mean, I, I I agree, and again, these are things that I I hope will come, and everything that I see does sort of lean towards that happening. It, it's just you know something like that is is jarring for me to to actually see because hey, oh, I, agree. I and, and you know and and I'll be one of the first people to check my own privilege. You know, I come from a two parent home. I'm folks are college educated I had all the games and all the stuff that I could ask for I had a rig that could run Final Fantasy 11 with relative ease I'm not going to say it ran it <laughs> I well started on PS2. I mean I started on PS2 as well but eventually you know I taught myself how to upgrade my RAM and da 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 da, da. so these are things that you know I also recognize and acknowledge that there's even kids that I went to school with that didn't have the platform that I had to right. even be where I'm. I am now and talk about video games uh, from a, a more professional or at least you know scholastic type of viewpoint. But knowing that and knowing that I've had that platform, I also know what it takes to get more kids to that level. And I think the more that we see programs like UCI's esports, the more that we see programs. Uh, Nasef, the, yeah, Nasef, play versus, play versus, is play, it play versus? versus, yeah, yeah, play, play versus. Uh, the more that we see play versus, the more that we see those types of organizations that are trying to do everything that they can to foster the communities of esports in the high schools and sometimes the middle school level, then we will begin to see more people involved, and you know, more people start to get in leadership roles because that's where the substantive change really begins to happen is when you got people who look different who are bringing on people who look different and everybody's happy so uh, I, I think going out to UCI and, and with you guys and, and sort of having that collective experience I think was was really cool and, and I love the fact that half of those kids were super confused as to Ooh, excuse me that was super confused as to why we were even there. Yeah, yeah, you know, this, this, this time, more than any other trip that we've ever been on, was, was for me, uh, you know, afterwards, having time to reflect on it, was more than just a series of interviews, right? Like, like, like it, it uh, you know, we, we come away from the OWL championship, and that was cool, and that was fun, and whatnot, right? Yeah. But doing this has given me a different sort of perspective on on where exactly gaming is in our current culture, you know, both... And it's not Fortnite. <laughs> uh, uh, well, unfortunately, um, you know, as we sit here and talk about the high school level and the potential middle school level, Fortnite It's is, not going to be Fortnite. Fortnite is, I think, a lot of kids' first experience with that gaming on a communal level. What was the first bike you had? Something from Walmart. Was it a Huffy? It was not a Huffy. Okay, do you still ride the same brand of bike that you had when you were a kid? I, I don't ride bikes. Exactly, that's my point. Okay, but you cannot... No, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think that people are going to grow up with Fortnite and keep playing it. But as of right now, Fortnite is something that are bonding 
middle school and elementary school youths together. That's fine, and then they'll come across an uh, actual, real, logical person, and they'll say, why are you playing that game? They'll, they'll graduate to something good like PUBG. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware, but they still got their start with Fortnite, man. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I All just, right. I hate it. I hate it, too. I hate it, too. But, you know, in, in you know, how, how long have we been talking? We've been talking about 20 minutes. Yeah, about 20 yeah, minutes. about 20 minutes. But the, th- the thing is, man. we got about nine minutes before our flight starts boarding. Yeah. So one one other point that I that I want to bring up, and one thing that I thought was uh, on, the, on the subject of inclusivity, I love the fact that there were so many women involved in that, oh, in that so organization. Many. I was so happy to basically have half of our interviews be women or even just like non-gender binary people i was so happy to see like kathy who's basically everybody's boss all the presidents uh, of all the different organizations were all female as well except for not the smash president the smash president was a guy both the smash ones were both yeah. the smash yeah. which is yeah which is something that very like, male dominated currently game, is yeah. kind of indicative of the FGC still, yeah pretty it? much yeah. no it is it is 100% but it, it was very pleasing and very uh, heartening a lot of girls on the computer kicking ass too yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah I was seeing that man and that's the thing is that it, again it's about the visuals it's, it's about optics it's about a kid who's a freshman on campus being able to walk into that place and see like 15 young ladies in there, women, and like, I kind of want them to feel nervous and uncomfortable. <laughs> I want that. I want them to just be like, oh my gosh, she's she's awesome. She's sitting there playing League of Legends. Oh, snap, she might mash me. I should, absolutely like, would. Yeah, mash she'll you. mash like, me. Like, as quick as like, their, their mice and their fingers were moving on the keys, would absolutely stomp you. What what I enjoyed about it, because, you know, I, I still uh, uh, frequent, you know, hobby shops, nerd stores, comics, places yeah. like that. You know, I'll take I'll take Cheshire in there as well. Yeah. And even now, still today, when it comes to, like, comic nerd culture, we're still way behind the curve. You know, you still get yeah. the jokes, but, oh, there's a girl in here. I didn't see any of that. None of that on UCI. That was the dope nobody part. was like giving any like sideways glances or cracking little jokes behind their backs. They were sitting there, they were having fun, and they were kicking ass. And not just on top of that, like you saw people like meeting up with classmates and friends, and it was just like it, it was what it was. There was nothing that was like you know, like you said, there were no jokes or snide remarks or nothing like that. It was people who were sitting there who truly, truly, truly were all there playing games. You know what I mean? So sorry again. If you guys, uh, you know, the guys talking about all the stuff that people should already know when they come and travel. Um, but I think that that, in many ways, indicative of the direction probably of, of our society, is that the girls are going to lead the charge, man. They're re- they really are. They're going to lead the charge. And when it comes to how, uh, how much this will permeate into the mainstream... It's not going to be up to us. Not people our <laughs> age, not people our gender. It's not going to be up to us. It's going to be up to girls. And I think if UCI and what I saw at the conference and at the eSport, eSports arena was any indication, yeah, e- eSports has nowhere to go but up. No, I couldn't have put it better myself, man. All right, well, with that said, we got to get ready to board this plane. Uh, sorry about the audio quality because I know Nate is already going to pull his hair out. He's going to pull his beard out. Him and Joe uh, are going to be doing the exact same They're going to be doing the exact... Right. But they got the real recorder so that, the with real the real recorder, microphones. Man. You see how they do us? 
the talent. You see how they do yeah. the most important cogs in this machine. Where would they be without us, like, honestly? They would definitely be not as entertaining. Nope. Nate would still be doing social media. That's true. Joe That's would still true. be selling comic books. That's true. That's, That's right. true without us, man. Mm-hmm. So, either way it goes, you know what I mean? And, and they need our egos, you know, because they get, you know, confidence and stuff sometimes. It goes would, a long way. It goes a long way. Personality and confidence and showmanship, you know what I mean? We got that in space. So, you know, without I'm us. I'm going to do a Joe. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. He's just uh, just a large gay Chewbacca. <laughs> Either way. Um, so, with that said, guys, we are out of here. And, uh, oh, yeah, make sure you guys follow us on all the social medias. Check PT Radio, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, because I know Nate probably won't feel like putting an end on this. So, you know, thanks for listening, guys. And make sure you check back next week for more Checkpoint. And stay glued to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash radio for even more of our wonderful voices and faces and game streams, too. Anything else, Robbie? Nah, you about covered it, man. You got it, man. So that'll be all for us tonight. Bye. Hey, welcome to the Checkpoint Podcast, eSports and gaming radio. We're coming to you from the terminal of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Terminal D. Yes, that's right. We're going back to the D. We have to leave from Terminal D to get back to the D. So, yeah, something like that. You got mad when I made that joke on the way over here. I'm still mad that I made it. Anyway, so uh, welcome to the Terminal Cast, uh, the uh, Layover Cast. That's what we called it, the Layover Cast. Uh, as uh, you hear this, I'm sure that you have just heard Robbie and Norris's analysis of the weekend. Um, they had to leave early because they're scrubs. Yeah, well, obviously they need to leave the two important hosts behind. Let let us cover that extra day, uh, cover all the things that need to be talked about. And it's really weird not knowing what they said on this. I'm sure a lot of denigrating and mean things regarding us. I would hope so. I mean, it's not like we just got them a job or anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, who'd want to be grateful or anything like that? Yeah, right, exactly. I'm looking at you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, so... uh, we have had a fascinating weekend uh, out at the campus of UC Irvine, uh, getting to see a bunch of exhibition matches, a uh, invitational tournament, uh, some Smash, some League of Legends, some OWL. Got to meet some of the Valiant. Got to hang out with uh, Mark Deppy and Kathy Chang, who we've known for a long time. So this was a great weekend. Uh, not even a, that's not even a, it's it's a week, yeah, because we were there like. Tuesday through Friday, so um, we're we're going back to enjoy our weekend. But I mean, a lot of really cool stuff going down on the campus of uh, UC Irvine. Yeah, it was a, it was a great business work week, which is what this is now. Uh, one of the cool things that they had going on there is Nexon, who was one of the uh, sponsors, uh, was showing off some of their games. They have a game there called Hyper Universe, which is has been out for a little bit, but I had never played it before or even heard of it. So I guess it kind of went under the radar. So, so tell everyone a little bit about Hyper Universe since you got a chance to play it. Yeah, so Hyper Universe is like a side-scrolling beat-em-up MOBA, I guess is the best way I can think to describe it, because it's on a 2D plane, and your different lanes would be like going up and down floors instead of like moving like north or south on the map. Think, think like Donkey Kong or uh, Mega Man, the way that it used verticality. In fact, even the the map, the 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 mini map down at the bottom, looks a lot like Donkey Kong. 
it definitely looks like it may have taken its aesthetic design from Donkey Kong. Uh, but yeah, it was it's a very cool game. You, just like any other MOBA, you get different heroes who have different stats, different abilities. They can buy different equipment to customize themselves. Uh, and yeah, you've got minions trying to destroy towers and you want to destroy the other team's base. It's like utterly chaotic the first five or six minutes you play. And then as you start figuring out like what's going on, on the screen, man, it's it's actually really fun. Yeah, I did not get a chance to sit down and play. I would have liked to, but uh, we were running all over the place. I actually had an opportunity to sit down and play at the eSports Arena. And on their computers, they had installed a variety of games, uh, PUBG, League of Legends. Um, but also on there, they had installed Final Fantasy fourteen. So I actually played more Final Fantasy fourteen on the road than I do at home. I'm sure the Limit Break Radio listeners will be thrilled to hear that. I unlocked my expert roulette, guys. I mean, aren't you proud of me? Aren't you proud? You should be proud. Anyway, so... <laughs> oh, man, my back is killing me. That's one of the things about this uh, this trip, uh, uh, being so quickly back-to-back with the eSports Summit. Because, obviously, this is not the first time that we've done a podcast in the terminal. Not the yeah, you guys, you guys should know that well. But uh, the thing is, is that uh, you know, it, it it's it's getting to be a bit of a wear on the body. My back has just been killing me for the last three days. You're old. We're both old. I mean, I know. I've uh, to be fair, I probably should not be drinking as many monsters as I have been, and so there's an about a fifty fifty shot that it's either my back from lugging around equipment or my kidneys uh, and kidney stones. You have consumed no less than four monsters a day while we've been on this trip. Like, I, uh, with the one exception of the day where you couldn't find monster to purchase, that day you drank Rockstar. Yeah, I don't think I, I I get up to four unless I have one of the big cans with the with the twist top. Uh, usually, I I cut myself off at two, uh, which is exactly how many I've had today. So, um, anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm doing significant damage to my body on the road. That's always fun, uh, but that's also what you kind of expect when you have so many road days. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, traveling is always inconvenient. You're you're not at your home base. You have to take with with you what you think you're going to need, and then yeah, you can't you know you can't bring food to prepare or any supplies from home. You have to get whatever's available, which is usually not the most healthy stuff in the entire world. Although I've got to say, at the Dallas Fort Worth airport, they've got an urgent care. So I was thinking about possibly going and getting you know a urinalysis done, but uh, I don't think we have enough time. I think I think we've only got another twenty minutes before uh, we've got to board our plane, something like that. What? What? How? How much longer? Eleven minutes till we board. Oh, good. Well, let's hope that uh, Robbie and Norris padded out their portion of the uh, uh, of the layover cast. Yeah, our uh, our flight was late getting in to, uh, to into Dallas. We we got into Dallas on the ground in time, but we were stuck out on the tarmac for. We must have been out there for 25 minutes waiting to get in. Yeah, and I find that even more, somehow even more frustrating like than oh. anything. Yeah, the, the goal's in sight. You're, you, you don't want to be stopped at the, the one-yard line. That's very true. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of inclement weather, a lot of thick cloud cover here in Dallas today. I felt like we were flying through clouds for a really long time. And by the time we saw ground again, it was alarmingly close. So, um, you know, good on the pilot for actually landing the goddamn plane. That's great. Well, I- I'm pretty sure the computer lands the plane when it's like this. Uh, they, yeah, when, when we had cloud cover starting at about like 27,000 feet 
and when we finally were able to see the ground again, it was like, oh, hey, I can see the license plates on the cars. Yeah, a little terrifying. So um, uh, on the plane, we have been kind of left to our own devices. Do you get it? Our own devices uh, for entertainment? Right yes, it is. It's enter- it's uh, American Airlines, and they don't have the screens mounted in the back of the seats. You've got to sign on to the Wi-Fi and uh, get the entertainment through uh, through their app. And uh, I'm, I'm curious if you'd like to share what you've been watching on the plane. So this is for my last few flights. Uh, it has been the great hits of the 80s. I think on the way out there, I watched like Major League. Uh, and then on the way back, I watched uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I started Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It I don't know what has had me in the mood for like 80s comedy, because it's a very unique comedy, like 80s comedy is. So, I, yeah, that's what I've been watching. How about you? So, uh, on the way out, I started Ready Player One after watching Deadpool 2 for the second. Actually, I watched Deadpool 1 and 2 on the flight out. Um, and then started Ready Player One, which I hadn't seen before. Uh, and then fortunately, American Airlines had it available for me to watch, uh, on this flight. So I, I got to finish Ready Player One. I was pretty impressed by it. Uh, I thought it, you know, paid homage to video games in a really interesting, if not a little bit terrifying way. No, that's the thing is I think I think a very accurate way. I, like when you think about what the future of the gaming culture might look like, I think that's fairly close to on point. I don't know. I, there wasn't enough sexism in there for me. You know what? You're right. There was definitely a lot of sexism missing. I mean, but, or maybe they just didn't show it. You know, I assume there was plenty of sexism. We just couldn't see it. Yeah, I, I have to believe that the Oasis is probably a place that is laden with sexism and. Um, you know, like Pepe memes and all kinds of stupid. You know, it like like I'm like yeah, it's just like kind of like a more advanced version of VR chat. I did not see what people were complaining about with that movie. I really liked it. What were the complaints? Uh, it's the usual crap. It's not as good as the book, I'm sure. Oh well, who cares? I'm not going to sit around and read a book. Isn't the book like 20 years old at this point? I don't know. I all I know about the book is that the guy who wrote it, it's the only thing he's ever written and it like made him a ton of money. Oh, well that's interesting. Yeah, I, I like I say, I, I feel like I've done that with a lot of movies lately where I see them even like a movie that everyone said was bad and I'm like, wait, this was this wasn't bad like I went and saw Venom. I didn't think that was bad. I enjoyed Venom just fine. So, okay, I, I see now I'm on the fence about Venom on whether or not I should go and see it. Sell me on this movie because I was the biggest fan of Venom growing up, even more than Spidey. I liked Venom more than Spidey. I had, you know, uh, the the two largest action figures that I ever had in my collection was like a foot and a half tall Venom and uh, a slightly smaller saber tooth. So sell me on this flick. All right. So here's the first thing that they said when they sat down to meet. Guys, we don't have the permission to use Spider-Man. We got to throw a lot of shit out to make this work. Here's what we can do. We can come up with some convoluted, weird story why Venom and Eddie Brock, be, you know, fuse and become one. Or we can just kind of say, fuck it, and we'll assume that they already did. Uh, and like, it's not that they already did, but, like, they don't spend a whole lot of time going into why Eddie and Venom become, the, you know, him and Venom. Uh, they just kind of say, okay, it happened. Now let's just move forward. Uh, that's really interesting. I mean... I don't know. There's just so many elements in the trailer that make it look actively bad. You know what's weird about the trailer? I swear most of that trailer is like the last five minutes of the movie. Really? 
Yeah, like a lot of like the lines, you know, the the line where he's like, "The way I see it, we can do whatever we want." That's like almost the last line of the movie. Oh wow! Well, where does the uh, the turd rolling down a hill line appear? Uh, in the last two minutes of the movie. Really? Uh, wow! What a terrible line to almost end on. Yeah, it that was the, that's a weird line. Like a lot of like Venom's first few lines with Eddie are actually like. It's kind of what sold me on the movie is is his initial interactions with Eddie. Like there's a there's a sequence where like he's trying to like he's showing Eddie that like you know I I can protect you I can keep you safe, uh, and so Eddie's like he's like he's up on like the thirtieth floor of this building and he's got to get down and you just hear Venom go jump, and like and like he like thinks about it for a second and then it cuts and he's standing outside the elevator and he's here pussy. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. That's pretty goddamn funny. And and kind of like here's the thing I don't remember a ton about the relationship between the symbiote and and Eddie Brock from the comics. So it, to kind of expand on that a little bit is I think pretty in, an interesting take on it. Yeah, they do, they do a little bit with it. Uh the the weakest moment of the movie is where Venom decides like like he wants to like stay on Earth and then we find out kind of like why, but at the same time you're like, wow, that happened really fast. I think they realize they only have about 20 minutes of the movie left and they need to get this plot a moving. Well, apparently Tom Hardy had had uh, filmed like seven hours worth of footage for that movie. Uh, what did you think of Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock? Uh, he's really bad for the first 20 minutes and then he's pretty okay. Like the first 20 minutes, like I get it because like he's supposed to be like kind of a drunk whose life is falling apart, but it he plays a drunk a little too well because you're like, did you read the script? You're slurring a lot. I, I don't know that you know the words. Uh, but that, I think, is just Tom Hardy trying to fake the accent, isn't it? I mean, yeah, kind of. And they, I mean, again, yeah, they do, like, they don't uh, allude too much to, like, the Spider-Man story arc. Like, they mention that he wor- that he used to work for uh, the Daily Globe. Like, that's about the extent of their connection to the Spider-Man universe. So they kind of put a they kind of put an out in there for themselves if they ever did want to tie the two together. Yeah, well, and the other one is that the uh, uh, when the sh- space shuttle crashes at the beginning, it is uh, Colonel Jameson. It's, uh, they say they don't they don't say J. Jonah Jameson's son, but they give themselves that opening for it to have been. Interesting. Well, that's that's okay. All right, I I think I've decided that I'm going to go see it. I mean, here's the like. You just saw Deadpool two, right? Yes. Deadpool two is way better as a movie. Right. But this was like we like I went with a group of five. We all laughed throughout the movie, and we came out going like that was objectively stupid but entertaining. Should I wait to see it on a plane? You know what? Seeing it for free wouldn't be the worst way to to really make you feel good about the decision. I mean, the last couple of movies that I've seen, that's how I've seen them, is because they've been available on a flight. Well, and you're about to see Solo on the next one, I assume, right? Yeah, as, assuming that the Wi-Fi works as uh, as intended. Yeah, uh, I'd love to be able to, to sit down and actually watch Solo. Uh, had, the, had the opportunity to on the last couple of flights, but didn't end up um, on the... Flight out to Vegas, I ended up watching uh, Chappaquiddick, which is uh, about Teddy Kennedy uh, and the the girl that he killed. Um, That was a really fascinating movie. Um, I liked it quite a bit, but, uh, I mean, you know, a historical, uh, nonfiction sort of of way. Um, But on the way back, you saw Deadpool 2, which was Ace's choice. Yeah, because and and I liked it enough to watch it again. Uh, that was that was really interesting because uh, I I I was lukewarm, not lukewarm. I was warm on the first film, but I thought actually the second film was like legitimately good. 
Yeah, Deadpool 1 was what was exactly what Deadpool 1 needed to be. It needed to be something that could give a fresh origin that didn't, because his origin from the comics would make no sense. Uh, it needed to get away from the Wolverine Origins movie, and it needed to establish Deadpool as a character and establish the R rating as a thing. It did that fine. Deadpool 2 took that concept and just ran with it, and it made a legitimately just entertaining movie. Yeah, well, it, I think it was just the fact that there was no character set up. Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool from the word go, and that made for a much more entertaining movie. You know, he the the whole Wade Wilson part of Deadpool 1 was okay, but when he becomes Deadpool, obviously, it goes to another level. Like, the humor even kicks up to another level. So with the humor starting way up top, uh, I thought that was phenomenal. A great choice, so... Um, all right. Well, we've hit about 16 minutes here on our uh, layover cast. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if, if you noticed, it's been about maybe 11-ish minutes since uh, we checked when the flight was boarding. And we've got food to eat, too. So we've got to eat food and uh, board our, pl- uh, our plane. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, for listening to the Checkpoint podcast. Um, Thank you especially to everyone out at UCI who gave us some of their time. Uh, to, to Mark Deppie and Kathy Chang, they were amazing uh, to help us out and, uh, and to, you know, uh, get everything connected for us. Um, it was uh, truly an amazing time, so uh, thank you to everyone who was involved. Yeah, and uh, thank you to everyone here in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth uh, terminal who's being a real good sport about this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, that's going to be it for the Checkpoint Radio podcast. Uh, Make sure you check out our website over at CheckpointRadio.com where you can find uh, episodes of the podcast as well as full episodes on demand and interviews, a huge archive of interviews uh, that you can find. That's all available over at CheckpointRadio.com. Big thanks to our producers, Rick Scott and Christine Corpus. For the rest of the Checkpoint Radio crew, I'm Nate Bender. Keep listening. You've been listening to the Checkpoint Radio Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tune into our weekly radio show. For more information and the latest on esports and gaming, go to CheckpointRadio.com.